you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. And now, Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks. DJ, Bucky, and our good friend, Rhett, uh, back together again as we get ready to crank on an NFL season debut. We've got football coming up in mere hours, days, I should say. I guess I'm jumping the gun a little bit saying hours, but it's right around the corner is what I'm getting at. And we've got plenty of football to react to. And uh, Buck, I say we start there, man. Biggest takeaway, college football weekend, which was rather wild. Oh, Coach Prime got him going. Uh, Coach Prime (laughs) said that he was coming, we're coming. And man, they came in a major way, going down to TCU, pulling off a major victory. And what I'm excited about in watching this, everyone to talk about Dion and and how quickly they may have turned around the program. But I'm not going to lie, Travis Hunter, to me, kind of stole the show. To see an athlete, a five-star recruit, come in and really play at a high level at wide receiver and defensive back, it's a game changer. Uh, We've talked about it, like how Travis Hunter would be able to maybe revolutionize the way the college game is played with uh, more five-stars requesting to play on both sides of the ball. You saw that reaction on social where you had these pro players chiming in, like, man, I wish I'd been a two-way player in college. Man, I want to play on the other side of the ball. I just wonder, as Travis Hunter gets more attention, a lot of the guys that we see in high school who have been two-way stars, I wonder if more of them start knocking on their coach's door saying, hey, I want to come to your school, but I want to have an opportunity to play both ways. To me, if we get that, I think it's really good for the game because I love seeing stars shine on major stages. You know, Buck, I think it's fascinating. You you brought this up last week about Dion, and you also talked about Travis Hunter. We're going to see the two-way player, and does that come back? I think that's a fascinating discussion. I also think... I don't know how many people would equate uh, Dion to Jim Harbaugh. I don't think people would say, oh, those guys have a lot in common. But they do from the standpoint of the programs they took over, which were terrible. Think about Stanford, where they were when Harbaugh took them over. Think about Colorado, where they were. You've got NFL players, NFL pedigree. Obviously, Dion on a whole nother level with what he accomplished. And you, you, you just put belief into these kids. Like There was no doubt. You, every interview with Dion, he never even talked about TCU. He didn't even care about TCU. It was all about what they were going to do and who they were and you know all the slogans that he had going along with it. But he put belief in those kids. And you saw Harbaugh did the same thing when he resurrected a Stanford program. I think you're seeing the exact same blueprint uh, here. Uh, but, Rhett, I, I want to hit you up on this one because you were at the, the IU-Ohio State game. And I thought the yep. other biggest takeaway from the weekend outside of Colorado was how stacked the country is with quarterbacks. I mean, you see it. It seemed like every game you're seeing a big-time offensive performance by a quarterback – Maybe save the one that you were at, and that it's got me thinking here. Look, look, Ohio State might have big plans and big dreams, but when you look at the landscape of college football and who's quarterbacking all these teams, I don't know if they stack up, man. No, the quarterbacks aren't there yet, and that's for sure. Um, I, I think uh, you know either one. Uh, Kyle McCord got the start, played the majority of the game. Devin Brown kind of looked a little deer in headlights when he came in for what what I felt like I just one possession, if I remember correctly. And yeah, McCord did not look to be as sharp as we've seen in quarterbacks pass for Ohio State, whether it was CJ Stroud or Justin Fields. I mean, you know, you think he's got the built in chemistry with his high school teammate, Marvin Harrison. 
you know, only targeted him a handful of times. I'm telling you, if the best receiver in college football in the last decade does not get 10 targets minimum every game, something is wrong. I don't care who's out there defending him or how they're defending him. You got to figure out a way to get that dude the ball. And I don't know whether we want to pin that on quarterback or whether we want to pin that on the plan that Indiana had to minimize him and minimize that offense um, or what, but it just, that, that did not feel good in terms of an Ohio state passing offense and production in that game. So yeah, they got some work to do at quarterback. That's for sure. I think they got some work to do all over the place, to be honest. Um, and, uh, and, and so like, I, I think, you know, when you look at what Michigan did with JJ McCarthy, when you look at what Michael Penix did, uh, Shador Sanders, uh, you know, Jordan Travis. Um, I mean, like there's <laughs> the Ohio state's not in that group right now. Yeah, no, the, the Buckeyes are certainly not in that group. They didn't play great. Or maybe Indiana's better than we thought. We'll see in a couple of weeks how it, it, it breaks down. I thought what's interesting about the, the college landscape, you, you look at Clemson, uh, get mollywopped by the Duke Blue Devils. You see LSU fall apart. Now, we, we knew that Florida State would be good, but the way in which they fell apart in the second half, Florida State running away from it. And that receiver, Keon Coleman, kind of saying, hey, I, I, I want to invite to the party. I'm a big-time player. I can make it happen. Just really exciting to see all these college programs and these teams kind of begin to unveil their new stars. Uh, it's going to be a great run. It's going to be a great run this season. Yeah, last, last nugget on the college football thing. Uh, we'll go around the horn one more time here. But, um, you know, Buck, uh, we talked about Carolina last week, and we talked about your Tar Heels. So everybody knows about Drake May. But in talking to scouts that had gone through there, they had mentioned – to me, that this look, this this defensive front, they got like eight dudes. They they looked apart. This is an mm-hmm. NFL looking defensive front. They go out and get nine sacks against South Carolina in that game and kind of take over that game. You mentioned Florida State, what that defensive front uh, looked like. I Buck, am I crazy? This just feels like it's the same formula every year. You need an elite quarterback and a big time defensive line. And, and people say Stetson Bennett wasn't well for college football. Stetson Bennett was a high level, high caliber quarterback. And we'll mm-hmm. see how that translates to the NFL. But they had great quarterback play. They had dominant a defensive front. It seems like that's the formula. It's not changing. No, it doesn't look like it's changing at all. And and one thing that stood out is the haves and the have nots. And I think the Porter has certainly opened it up. Uh, the top teams look different. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at Carolina, and I'm not saying they're a top team, but they certainly look bigger and more physical than I've seen in the past. I looked at a Duke team that was very comparable to Clemson stature-wise. The portal has opened it up where these teams are able to build what you need to be able to compete at a high level. And before your look high-end academic institutions, they weren't able to compete. But after watching Duke and some of the athletes that were in that uniform and looking at some of these other teams, look, the portal has made it where the talent has leveled out a little bit, where everyone has a chance to be able to knock off some of the heavyweights. No doubt. And look, we had uh, we ate a lot of cupcakes in college football last week. Uh, we're going to start getting some better matchups as we get a little deeper into the season. We'll get a better chance to evaluate a lot of these guys. Uh, we marched through the season and head ultimately towards the NFL draft. So excited with college football really cranked up. It's uh, the kickoff to the NFL season. We love college football, but there's nothing like the National Football League, seeing the top teams. We get a chance to see the Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions kick it off on Thursday, and that is going to save the town for a great week of football. 
Hey, look, guys, uh, you know, in the words uh, to borrow the words of a famous head coach uh, in this league, this is why we got on all those planes, rented all those cars, sat in those director's (laughs) chairs out at fields across the NFL training camp landscape. This is why we did it. And it's for Thursday night. It's for the NFL season opener, all the inside training camp, all the preseason coverage we did. It got us ready for this moment. I'm fired up. Yeah, this is so fun, man. It's great to have it here. Buck mentioned it, Thursday night football. We're going to see the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's going to lead us right into what we're doing because we're going to go division by division. It's week one. We're going to give you kind of our our big picture ideas of what we think is going to happen in these divisions, the storylines that we'll be following. And I think we start right there with Kansas City in the AFC West, a team that's just dominated. They've dominated this division. They've owned this division. You look at it here, 11 titles uh, from uh, 2009 to 2019 for the Patriots. The Chiefs right behind them was seven. Talking about consecutive division titles. The Patriots got 11. The Chiefs roll off seven in a row, chasing eight this year. Uh, Buck, I guess, first of all, I know they're the favorite, but I mean, is this, do you feel like this is a foregone conclusion that number eight's coming? No, I mean, I don't think it's a foregone conclusion. Obviously, with the Chris Jones situation, counting uh, being a cloud over the top of the franchise, that could could mess it up, but this is a team that has been able to dominate within the division because the quarterback plays great against his division rivals. That'll probably continue, but I do wonder if defensively they're going to be good enough to match up with what I think would be a high-powered offense in L.A., a much-improved offense in Denver, and then we'll just kind of see what we're going to get from Josh McDaniels and the Raiders. This defense, without Chris Jones, it's a a middle-of-the-pack at best defense. With him, they can compete without him. Makes it very, very difficult for this team to get stops. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you on the Chris Jones impact. You know, is it going to be midseason when he decides to show up? And then what happens? How long does it take him to ramp up into, you know, the form that we're accustomed to seeing from? Is it week 12, week 13? Look, you'd love to have him for the last quarter of the season, certainly at minimum. Um, and that's a that's a good time to get it back. But, man, you hope that you're still you know in a good spot. And obviously the offense can score a ton of points. What I'm most curious about, guys, is the explosiveness of this Chargers offense, DJ, that you see uh, each and every week during the NFL season with Kellen Moore now leading the charge. You add Quentin Johnston into the mix. I think for so often this in the last couple of years, you've seen Mike Williams or Keenan Allen, you know, miss a handful of games and it's kind of derailed what the Chargers offense could be. And now you have another high end depth piece to throw into that mix at the receiver group if something like that happens. Plus, if they're all healthy, my goodness. Right. And then Austin Eckler, obviously, being the weapon that he is. And then I think ultimately for the Chargers to challenge the Chiefs, truly, it's going to come down to whether, you know, a guy like Rashawn Slater and on the other side of the ball, a guy like Joey Bosa can play more than eight combined games this year. Um, obviously, injuries, you know, are ter- a terrible piece of the game. And those two guys uh, felt the brunt of it last year. Those guys stay healthy. I think the Chargers have as good a chance as anybody to knock the Chiefs off that perch. Yeah, I, I do. I, I feel the same way, Rhett. And I think this is the best Charger team. I've been calling their games for six years. So this is the best yeah. roster by far that they've had. It's the, mo- it's the best offensive line. They have the most depth in their front seven that they've had. Now, you know, J.C. Jackson's kind of a mystery. You know, what's that going to look like? But offensively, you mentioned it. With Kellen Moore coming over there, they're going to live in 11 personnel. They're going to have three wideouts out there. You have Eckler in the backfield. They're going to have opportunity to go hyper speed when they want to. And, and get you locked in with whatever personnel you have out there on the field. And when you just look at the size of these guys, when you've got Mike Williams at 6'4", Keen Allen at 6'3", and Quentin Johnson at 6'3", plus, and Josh Palmer's 210 pounds plus, they have 
so much size and physicality at the wide receiver position. Most teams, you know, they're not going to have two big corners like that, much less three. So they're going to have a matchup that they like at all times. And if Slater stays healthy, this is a really good young offensive line. So uh, they've got a chance to have some firepower there. And then I think in the front seven with them specifically, Buck, you've got some matchup guys now. When you look at Kenneth Murray, who's had a great training camp, looks like the light kind of came on for him. He can do some different things with his size and speed and physicality. Obviously, Derwin James is one of the true unicorns uh, in this league with all that he can do. Deion Henley, who they picked, I'm telling you, he's going to have a role in this defense, who's a former safety playing linebacker. They've got all these kind of positionless players that are going to be key, especially when you're defending that team specifically in Kansas City. Yeah, they have all those those players that are matchup weapons. And, you know, you want to build your team to win the division. So the Chargers have done a really good job of making sure they got the pass rushers. Uh, they have Derwin James, who can, in theory, line up over Travis Kelsey. J.C. Jackson should be the guy that can handle your other uh, number one receiver, your primary target in the passing game. This team, on paper, looks like it should be ready to go. The thing about this team is we've said, for, said that for the last two years. And at some point early in the season – they're going to get tested and they will be able to begin the process of rebuilding the trust that might have been lost from players to coaching staff when they fell apart in the postseason. It's going to be really important that Brandon Staley navigates this team through a difficult circumstance early in the year so he can get them to fully buy in. Because if they buy in, they are a top five team in this league, top five team in that AFC. They have everything in place to make a run at a title. It's about that belief. It's about being able to have those hard conversations to make sure that the trust is there so they can play well when you need to in adverse situations. And that leads me to the next question, though. We This feels like the headliners, right? And Kansas City is clearly the favorite. It feels like the Chargers yeah. are clearly the two, the challenger there. So so I'll get to both you guys. Rhett, you first on this one. Which team you believe more in between the Raiders and the Broncos? The Raiders right now. Um, I just I, I believe in the connection that Josh McDaniels has with Jimmy Garoppolo. And while, you know, I, I don't ever want to count Sean Payton out. I know, you know, he's too good a coach. I just I, I need to see it from them first. I need to see it with their receiver core with Russell Wilson. And they're all back on the same page. I need to see that really develop before, you know, I feel comfortable saying that. I, what, what it really intrigues me right now with the Raiders or two of their young players, really uh, a couple of their young players. Um, I think on the front end, you finally got Tyree Wilson back into training camp, played a little bit in that final preseason game against the Cowboys. If Max, you know, if Max Crosby's the condor, then Tyree Wilson is the albatross. I mean, you want to talk about leading the league, leading the league in wingspan. You know, I, I, I feel like Tyree Wilson has the potential to give them what Chandler Jones did not. And then if Chandler Jones, you know, can regain some of the form that led him, you know, to be acquired by the Raiders, man, you've got a terrific rotation. They're getting after the passer in a division where you have to rely on pressuring the quarterback to have a shot for your offense. And look, I don't know that talent wise, Jimmy Garoppolo matches up with Derek Carr, but I think connection wise with Josh McDaniels, he really does. And I, I, I'm really intrigued to see how they use Michael Mayer. I think that was a really good pick. I think that's something that this offense really needs. And look, Darren Waller is one of the very best, but it, it seems like Josh McDaniels had as you know, is maybe more intrigued and has a better plan for a player like Mayer who can give you more of a traditional tight end skill set. So how they work him in with Hunter Renfro and Devontae Adams, guys, is uh, uh, and Bucky, I'll get that over to you. Uh, really, really kind of intriguing to me in this division. Yeah, it's really intriguing. So when you think about the Raiders and Josh McDaniels having his quarterback and Jimmy Garoppolo, who can be that pass first point guard? 
get it out to the playmakers, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Let Josh Jacobs tote the ball a little bit. But really for the Raiders, it's the question marks on defense. Who is going to be the pass rusher that merges uh, alongside Max Crosby? Thought Chandler Jones is going to be that guy, but maybe time has father time has finally caught up with him. So who is going to be that pass rusher? What contributions are you going to get from the pass rush? And then you need a secondary that will be tested. Who are the guys that can make the plays to help this team get off the field? There's a lot of ground to still make up on the top two teams, but good coaching, uh, a, a, a lot of uh, listening and taking care of the execution will give the Raiders the opportunity to close the gap on their rivals. Well, we've done it. We've achieved our goal. We've completely ticked off a fan base, and that's the Denver Broncos, who now uh, are sitting back there saying, nobody believes in us. The three move the sticks guys not giving us any love at all. We're, we're the cellar dwellers here. We just brought in a Super Bowl champion coach and Sean Payton. We're going to revive Russell Wilson. We've got some good pieces on defense. Look, I, I don't want to short the Broncos. I, I'm with you guys, though. I, I'm with you guys. Though. I feel like they're number four. Um, but the only thing I'll, I'll wrap this up on the AFC, just one cautionary tale, one cautionary tale for Raider fans out there. If you look at the Belichick disciples that have had issues, they have gone overboard with fit over talent. Mm. And that hasn't always worked out well. So that's my one cautionary tale. You still got to have dudes. So don't be, don't be pushing away dudes because fit, 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 fit. You need both ideally. But if you've got to choose one over the other, man, I'm not so sure I might. I might lean towards talent a little bit on that front. Uh, mm. All right, let's jump over to another division. Let's get to Bucky's division, AFC South. Buck, I'm going to leave it open-ended to you. Uh, this is a division that your Jags brought home last year. Not going to lie, it was not an impressive group beneath them. Uh, it looks like the Jags are the class of the group. But as you, you look at it right now, not only from your perspective calling Jags games, but just is it is it pretty obvious that uh, it's the Jags and, and everybody else? Oh, it's pretty obvious that going into the season, it should be the Jaguars that are listed as the favorite or the front runner. Trevor Lawrence in year three uh, in the National Football League, second year in Doug Peterson's system. We saw at the end of the year, it really popped for Trevor Lawrence. Well, now you have an upgraded uh, set of receivers around him. Uh, you had Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram last and Those guys are terrific. I think if we graded them, those guys are like B- B pluses as receivers. Well, you add Calvin Ridley to the mix. You're talking about an A, high-level A player. And so this is someone who, with a broken foot, had almost 1,400 yards uh, the last time that we saw him play. All of those things are rectified after sitting up. Got his mind right, got his body right, and you've seen it. When he's been on the practice field, no one can slow him down. His speed is, is real. I would anticipate them using some things early in the game to get him loose. Yeah, you know, when I look at this division, DJ, in, in teams, you know, below the Jaguars, because I agree, I, I think the Jaguars are the front runner at this point entering the season as the favorites to win this division. You know, I think of the two teams that are going to start rookie quarterbacks, right? The Colts with Anthony Richardson and the Texans with CJ Stroud. Uh, the thing that I like is that it feels like the coordinators or the play callers or, you know, in Indy's case, the head coach Shane Steichen has a plan and has background in a plan that can help a young quarterback develop and succeed. Um, the problem in the Colts case is I still don't think there's enough around Anthony Richardson to really, you know, allow him to maximize his skill set just yet. When you look at, you know, you want to go back to look at where Shane Steichen came from in Philly. They're nowhere near that in terms of target. Uh, and while I, you know, I like what Michael Pittman and Alec Pierce can eventually become and, and hopefully they get something figured out with the running back. They're not there yet. So how does that affect Anthony Richardson? 
Um, and then down, you know, in Houston, I, you know, I look at where Bobby Slowick comes from uh, in the, you know, the Kyle Shanahan tree and, you know, maybe finding ways to minimize negativity from the quarterback and, you know, put him in positions to succeed and distribute the football uh, and run the football really well. I know they can they can do that with Damian Pierce. I think that offensive line is, is better than people give him credit for once they get Titus Howard healthy. Um, and so, I, I, and they, you know, they brought in Kendrick Green too. Um, you know, steps in maybe at center to kind of help fortify that thing in the middle. I, I'm I'm intrigued with some of the pieces that Houston has, and I know they'll be better defensively with D'Amico Ryan's Deej. Yeah, I, I'm I'm curious to see you know how Houston gets better. That to me is a storyline. I don't think they have enough talent to be a playoff team. This is a one playoff team division. It's it. It's the Jags. Okay. That's it. The rest of these three teams are going to be fighting out, trying to show that they can get better. Tennessee, of all of them, seems to be a little bit no man's land where you know they've got more of a veteran laden roster. I don't think they're good enough to compete with the elite teams in the conference, um, but they don't really have all this young talent that gets you excited about right. the growth as the other young teams in this division. So kind of a no man's land there for the Tennessee Titans. Again, we'll see the Jags, and that'll be it coming out of this division. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, let's jump into the other two divisions in the AFC, including the AFC North, where we've got stars, and the AFC East, where I think it's just the one person in the entire division. It's Aaron Rodgers. That's what, uh, that's what I was told. We'll get into that right after this. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. All right, let's jump back into the previews here as we get to the AFC North. We've talked about the AFC South. Look, that's a one playoff team division. This could be a three playoff team division. You look at the Cincinnati Bengals, Ravens, Steelers, and Browns. I mean, it's 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 up for grabs. I think any of these four teams could actually win this division, and we could see multiple playoff teams emerge. It feels like one of the most competitive divisions in the uh, in the league. Buck, when you look at it. I know Cincinnati coming off a 12-4 and four season. Burrow looks like he's back practicing. He's going to be okay. He's going to be fine. But I feel like of all the divisions, this is one where I'd say, you know what, there's not a, a clear-cut favorite where there's a large gap. Certainly not a gap between one and four. I think that's the smallest margin of any division in the league. The smallest margin of any in the league, for sure. And it's a toss-up in terms of who wins this division. Uh, I can sit up here and make a case for each of these teams being the division winner. But I'm going to make a case right now for the Cleveland Browns being the team to look at and the team to keep an eye on. When you think about their offense, offensively, they don't have a glaring weakness. Offensive line is solid. Got weapons on the outside. Elijah Moore is someone that you want to keep an eye on. They're doing uh, some, some unique and creative things with him in and out of the backfield as a hybrid player. We know Amari Cooper's the number one. Running back Nick Chubb can get it done at a high level. Defensively, I think they may have the best pass rushing combo of anybody in the league with Darius Smith and Miles Garrett. And then what Jim Schwartz is going to do with those guys is going to make life easy on the secondary. The thing that everything hinges on for the Browns is how well does Deshaun Watson play? In year two under Kevin Stefanski, can he find his rhythm? Can he settle in? Can he be the quarterback that we saw in Houston? If he's anything close to the quarterback that we saw in Houston when he played at a top five level for a team that was a bad team, the Cleveland Browns are a team that we're going to talk about entering the tournament and being a dangerous team when they get there. 
Yeah, I, I think I would agree with you. It really hinges on the development uh, of Deshaun Watson within the framework of this offense and perhaps the flexibility of Kevin Stefanski uh, as a play caller and as a, an offensive you know, game planner to, to figure out, you know, how do I best put how do we get the most out of Deshaun Watson? You know, if that's going back to what they did in Houston to where he was really thriving, then, then great. But the thing that intrigues me about this division, and I'll clue you in, I did my first uh, fantasy draft uh, a couple of days ago, and there were two guys that I had to leave my fantasy draft with. And those two guys were Zay Flowers and George Pickens. Um, the hype and excitement surrounding those two um, were, I, I mean, on level 10. Right in, in this training camp and in this preseason, I was in Baltimore um, listening to coaches talk about Zay Flowers. Like it, the the more the more people I talked to in Baltimore, it was like, all right, it's Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. Like, yeah, this team has Odell Beckham Jr. Remember, but it's still Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers. That's not to disrespect OBJ. I think he'd be great in this offense. You know, in, in the way that they're kind of redoing things here, and as long as Lamar Jackson stays healthy. Um, man, I, I just think that that Flowers gives them a, an extreme explosive element all over the field, not just a slot guy. He can go out on the perimeter, too. I think he moves around all over the place and then frees up some stuff for Mark Andrews as well. So I'm really excited about that part. And then George Pickens, man, you saw it come on a little bit with Kenny Pickett last year at the end of the season and in the preseason and in training camp. And Pickens was a highlight reel. And so I wanted to make sure I had those two guys because those two guys are going to keep me tuned into this division all year long. Yeah, I actually ended up with both of them on my fantasy team, but I won't uh, waste everybody's time talking about my fantasy team as Rhett just did. Uh, but I do. I am very bullish on those two players. Uh, come on, dude. Really? We're really we're talking. Well, about just give us some context. <laughs> a preview on a big preview episode here. Uh, no, but I do. I do like that. My concern. I'll give you my concern real quick with the Ravens. My concern is. This is like a team full of a basketball team of six foot ten guys that want to shoot threes. Like I, to me, like let's not forget who you are and what you're all about. It's physicality. It's line of scrimmage, being able to run the football. I, now they have all these receivers. They've never had this many guys, uh, which is, look, it's a good thing. It's going to take some pressure off their run game. It's Lamar's going to have more options, but I hope they still, you know, remember their identity, who they are, their roots. Uh, we talked about Pittsburgh real quick. I've been bullish on them the whole offseason after going out there to training camp. That's a, a group that knows who they are. And one of the most pivotal players for them is going to be a rookie in Darnell Washington. It, it's their tight end out of Georgia. It's not going to be what he does in the passing game. Don't look for his impact in the box score. You're going to see his impact, what he does, not only in the run game, which we know he can maul people. But when you have to face some of the elite ends in the league, think about inside that division, just the guys that they'll be up against, the guys like yeah. Miles Garrett that you're going to see, Trey Hendrickson. He's going to be able to stay in and help a little bit. And it's going to be like playing with a sixth offensive mm -hmm. lineman, help neutralize some of that pass rush. So that, to me, is a very pivotal rookie. I think this division is wide open. I think he can go anyway. I do think the Bengals are a little bit the favorite just because of Burrow and what he's accomplished and yeah. who he is mm -hmm. and what he is. Um, but coming off injury, uh, you know, to me, look, it's it's close. It's going to be a, a dogfight in this division all the way down uh, to the very end. Now, the division that's got the most headlines, guys, throughout the whole offseason, <laughs> and rightfully so, is the division in the AFC East. And the headlines have come from the team there at the bottom of the list with the 7-10 and 10 record, the New York Jets. Hard knocks, Aaron Rodgers, all the attention in the world, all the hype in the world. Uh, but, Rhett, you know, when I look at it, people can get upset about it, but it's justified the attention they've got. They have a top five defense. They have a four-time MVP quarterback now uh, with an offensive line. If they can stay healthy, I think it's good enough with their front five. I think they're easily the answer to who is the most improved team in the NFL. 
Yeah, look, I would agree. I, and I think uh, you're right on with the offensive line. You're you're good enough because of scheme and of Aaron Rodgers' experience and ability to get the ball out quickly and because of Garrett Wilson's ability to get open and generate separation quickly. And because, you know, Aaron and Garrett, as we've seen throughout hard knocks and throughout, you know, the entire training camp and preseason, they've got a great chemistry together, a great willingness to work together to figure things out after each rep, after each play. Uh, really enjoyed kind of watching that develop, uh, you know, these last couple of weeks. So I'm excited by that. And then they gave us that little teaser, right? In the one preseason, you know, game that they had and, you know, that little back shoulder in the end zone, um, that that stuff. And Rodgers to Garrett Wilson and company is going to be great. And then I just I'm really curious to see what the run game looks like at a couple of different destinations, like not just in New York with the the share between Brees Hall and with Dalvin Cook, but also in Buffalo. Like, are we finally going to see James Cook? Are we going to see Damian Harris start to take some of the load, uh, Bucky, off Josh Allen? And will that then allow Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs to get back to doing what we saw them do two years ago? And which would, you know, by my book, we're the best quarterback wide receiver duo in football. Because uh, last year, it just felt like sometimes they just weren't quite there in terms of connection uh, and being on the same page. I feel like they can get back there and maybe some of that run game that they've tried now to kind of put a little bit more emphasis on in Buffalo can help do that a little bit. So that that's kind of where I'm curious if Buffalo really wants to get to a fourth straight AFC East division title there, Buck. Oh, yeah. You talk about uh, Buffalo. Can they get back and can they continue to dominate? The, the, it looks like they've stepped back. They've come back to the pack. The Jets have noticed it'd be better. Uh, you think about uh, what uh, the New England Patriots have done in terms of just the coaching staff with Bill O'Brien coming over. They're a better team. The Miami Dolphins are better on paper. So I worry about the Buffalo Bills uh, kind of, you know, being out-talented when it comes to mm. what they have, what they can try it out and put out there. I know Josh Allen is terrific. He's a superhero. He can put the team on his back. But the more they put it all on him, the more I worry about this team being able to compete. So let's talk about the team, uh, the Miami Dolphins the speed that they have and how offensively they're going to challenge everybody in this division to attack of Aloha, being able to really hand it off to a four by one track team that is Olympic caliber with Jalen Waller and Tyreek Hill on the perimeter. Then you have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson in the backfield and their ability to be able to run the football. And so this team offensively can give everyone problems. But the reason why they may jump to the front of the pack, Vic Fangio and what he can do defensively. We know Fangio is the master of keeping the ball in front, being able to really confound and confuse quarterbacks with, I would say, simplistic schemes. But it, it really is going to test all of these quarterbacks in this division. The Dolphins are sitting pretty. This division is wide open. And so it'd be interesting to see. It, it, it'd be fun to see how this plays out. Yeah, I mean, you think about the Dolphins and and what they're going to do. Look, we know the speed is there. They got to they got to come up with a different pitch. They got to run the ball. Um, and to me, that's going to come down to Mostert, and we'll see uh, A Chain get in the mix a little bit as a rookie. They've got yeah. two track stars uh, to get in the mix, try and get that run game going. Uh, to me, the Patriots. This is my takeaway from the Patriots as we were kind of getting ready for this. I'm looking over the rosters and okay, what are the what are the things get you excited? What are your concerns? And my concern with the Patriots is I don't know what jerseys they put for sale in the gift shop. Like you look yeah. around this division <laughs> and you see these star players everywhere. And I'm like, wait a second. Are they selling, are they selling Kendrick Bourne jerseys in the, uh, in the gift shop in New England? Like, are we like, like they, they don't have nearly the star power that these other teams have. Now what they have is the greatest coach of all time and an identity as a physical, physical football team on both sides of the line of scrimmage. 
And, and to me, that's always provided a higher floor. Um, they've had the ceiling because they've had enough star players. Maybe not as many as everybody else, but they had them at the right mm-hmm. positions, obviously, namely quarterback. Um, they don't have that anymore. So I still feel like the floor is high. I don't, I don't see this team you know, winning fewer than seven games, but I don't think the, the ceiling is very high with, with this team. So to me, I, I, this is a seven, eight win team. I think they're a middle, you know, maybe they finish second or third in this division. I don't think they have nearly enough juice uh, to overtake what they're going to be up against in this division on a weekly basis. So I don't know where you are, Rhett, but what yeah. you tell me, what jersey are you selling in that gift shop? I mean, it's look it, it, on offense. It's it's Ramondre Stevenson, right? I mean, like he's he's th- that that's kind of what we're talking about here in the run game. And it feels like you know when Bill O'Brien was there before, um, you know it, it, that that's been their identity, um, you know, in in years past. I don't think Randy Moss is out there. Um, you know, I don't think Julian Edelman's out there. Uh, you know, Wes Welker certainly isn't. So, you know, what are you going to be able to do uh, with a little bit of a hodgepodge there? And you hope Hunter Henry can get back into the game plan, you know, here a little bit based on the amount of, you know, resources that they expended at that position a couple of years ago. Obviously, Johnny Smith is gone. Um, but and and look, you just hope that there's more competency, right, between mm-hmm. Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones. And I think that's what we saw this preseason. Is it enough to carry them to, you know, relevancy in this division or into the postseason? I'm not sold on that yet. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's, it's tough. I do like the the addition of, you know, Zeke coming over, trying to uh, really give them a big one-two punch in the backfield. But that's kind of 1980s football. And you wonder, will they be able to play that way and have success? Uh, Mac Jones is kind of operating without a backup right now. I know Matt Corral was picked up, but I, there's just too many question marks, like uh, five, six days before you play your first game. I have a lot of concerns about the Patriots. And the one thing that we never used to question in the past that they were always going to be a dialed-in, buttoned-up bunch. But after seeing last year's debacle, debacle, I do wonder if they're paying enough attention to detail when it comes to putting together a roster that can compete at a high level. Yeah, no, it, it's it's going to be an intriguing division. Obviously, the Jets bring the intrigue. And that first game against the Buffalo Bills, hey, that Huge. might be a game where we, uh, we learn quite a bit about what this division is going to look like. All right, that was a fun one as we uh, marched our way through the AFC. It's going to be a loaded division. It's a division of quarterbacks. You just look at all these guys, all the talent at that position in this conference. We've never seen anything like it. So it is going to be a fun division. Can't wait for this thing to get kicked off. The Kansas City Chiefs are going to get this thing going. We'll, we'll, We'll keep an eye on the AFC throughout the entire year, but I'm telling you, this is going to be a fun one. All right, we will be back tomorrow. We've knocked out the AFC tomorrow. We'll tackle the NFC right here on Move the Sticks. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.